I'm Nat Bremer. I write for Bloody Disgusting, for Diabolique, I for Wicked Horror. I've written for Dread Central, a uh, whole bunch of places. And the script is my fault because <laughs> I said that this was a, a ridiculous early draft, but this is actually a lot closer to uh, <laughs> the shooting script. All of the decisions that were cut from this script were some of the last decisions made before filming. Uh, the rap song. I actually, <laughs> I've done a lot of digging into that. I am almost positive that the rap was filmed. Oh, no. I've done a lot of digging into that. You're like, I need to know this. I'm obsessed with this ridiculous, idiotic script, and that's why I'll be your narrator this evening. <laughs> oh, Mike Vanderbilt, you may recognize me from the NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. That was uh, <laughs> the biggest thing I've ever done. I'm Diana Porter, actor and filmmaker, and I'm drinking a pint glass full of martini, so this should be a girl. <laughs> nice. My, grandpa, my grandfather used to enjoy a delicious glass of vodka, too. <laughs> Don't worry, Diana. I have a whiskey and mess called Anna Port next to me. So. Nice. I have a lineup of beers to re-pour so I don't have to get up. Because I was dealing with everything with the, this. What, am I still playing um, Alice's dad or am I playing Dan? Playing Dan. Playing Dan? Okay. Gotcha. All right. That was Johnny's introduction. There we go. <laughs> Hi, I also write for Daily Grindhouse, by the way. Hi. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hi, it's me, it's Izzy. I do stuff. I write, I direct, I like shit on fire. Hello again. Oh, hey, hi, it's Veronica. I uh, write on Twitter and for myself. And I'm a librarian, so um, I don't know why I'm here. Mike found me and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> because you're a sassy librarian. I think it was the sassiness, yes. It was definitely the... Uh, hi, uh, I'm Jerry. I co-host this podcast, and I also write about horror movies for magazines and websites. Uh, I make films when I can. Uh, aside from that, yeah, I do that. I make some music, and I'm stoked to do this. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> and now our Amanda Kruger. Hi, I'm Erin. I um, prim- primarily a uh, do stage rather than film, uh, act, direct, produce, a little bit of everything. Awesome. And I'm excited to be a part of this. Excellent. Thank you so much for jumping in. Uh, I'm going to be your Jacob. I'm Mike Snoonian. I uh, co-host the pod and the pendulum and try to put these together. Uh, just I'm very disorganized. And I'm <laughs> drinking some combination of gin and seltzer. And I'm going to try to... Avoid what happened last week. So, we're going to keep this. <laughs> All right. I think we have Brian, last but not, oh, two, about uh, Brian and Jacob. Brian? Yeah, uh, Brian Kuiper. I write for Dread Central, Manor Vellum, and uh, Ghastly Grinning. Um, sometimes I sit in on the pod and the pendulum, and I knit sweaters. I'm knitting a Freddy sweater right now. Uh, my name is Jacob. Uh, I write for iHorror.com. Uh, I co-host uh, Eye on Horror podcast, and I'm also a writer for the uh, Podcast Network, and I do a lot of horror writing and stuff, and uh, I love joining these script readings. Fade in. Interior, Alice's Night. 
extremely close on a moving wall of muscled skin, tinged blue by moonlight. Four claw-like scratches are raked across this landscape in bright red. Brody guttural moans drift up from somewhere. Are we in heaven or hell? Tight shots on a delicate hand caressing a muscled bishop. I hope to God that's supposed to be bicep. <laughs> a woman's nope, leg entwined around a man's. A cascade of red hair falling across an unshaven cheek. Two faces pressed tightly together in a kiss. The faces belong to Alice and Dan. And as their moans build to a crescendo, we realize it isn't pain we're hearing, but the opposite. Afterwards, Alice's hands gently rove Dan's back, tenderly caressing the scratches they've just made. I'm going to go take a shower. Water pours down into the drain from the shower, tight on Alice's head and shoulders as she steps into frame and stands under the cascading water. In the shower, the hot water streams down onto Alice's face. She scrubs herself clean. The water beats down on her shoulders and back. She rinses her, her hair, shakes her wet head. The drain gives an odd gurgle, like something has backed up the plumbing. Alice glances down. Nothing. Turns back uh, the jets of water. The pressure builds up a little. She turns it down. The drain, the gurgles again. The water starts to, ba to back up, rising around Alice's feet. Alice's POV, she notices, leans down perturbed as the water reaches her ankles and tries to clear the drain. No success. The water continues to back up. Oh, great. The drain monster strikes again. Alice stands back up now, a little apprehensive. As the water rises to her knees, the pressure from the shower jet suddenly doubles. Gallons of water now blast into the shower. Alice tries to turn it off, but the handle comes off in her hands. She tries to open the shower door. It won't budge. She's trapped, and now the water is climbing to her neck. Frantis, frantic Alice pounds on the glass. Suddenly, the door opens, but it's no longer Alice's glass shower door. It's one of those heavy doors in the asylum. As it opens toward camera, Alice stumbles out of the static wall of water into a dark room. The door closes behind her and melts into the wall. Another door, further on, opens, beckoning her forward. And another door beyond that, and another. Cautiously, Alice moves down this corridor of invitations until uh, interior asylum tight on Alice as she steps through the last door. Shadows and light play across her face. She looks around, what she sees sends fear into her eyes. This is where Amanda Kruger was raped, the asylum. Pull back slowly down the length of this nightmarish room, fingers of light stab up from the crusting floor grates and reach through the thick, murky air toward the dark cathedral ceiling, whose beams appear to be made from the bones of some unearthly creature. Camera continues back, revealing beds and mattresses crowded along the walls, old, filthy, some torn to pieces. We can't make out the, figure, the figures of men lying in the room, and others milling around. These are Amanda's hundred maniacs. No one has noticed Alice yet. At the end of the room, the camera cranes up, continuing back, revealing a staircase that leads to a huge iron door. Two orderlies hover on the landing before it, gazing into the dim scene below. One of them pokes his finger into the dark, silently counting. The other is eager to go. Come on, will you? Shut up, you'll make me lose count. 82, 83. Whose awesome cat was singing the song of their people Yeah, earlier? what? 
That that was mine. <laughs> Tell them that I have not met them, but I love them. Alice's POV. This is looking less like an insane asylum in the 1940s and more like a nightmare scene of London's 16th century bedlam. The maniacs converge on her. One pushes his way through the others. We recognize him as Robert Englund, sans Freddy makeup. As he reaches toward her, high shot looking down, as camera begins to descend, pushing in, moving closer, the maniacs surround her. As they begin to drag her down, Alice turns her face toward camera, pushing extremely close as she screams. Match cut to Alice's bedroom. <laughs> Early morning. Alice lunches up in... Uh, up from bed, from bed into frame, screaming. Dan immediately sits up beside her, concerned. A hand rests on her shoulder between them. Alice realizes where she is. Jesus. What's the matter, hun? Bad dream? Suddenly, Englund's leering face pushes into foreground frame beside Alice. It's his hand on her shoulder, and we realize that he spoke the line, not Dan. She turns startled and screams. Englund rolls on top of her, pining her to the mattress. There's no such thing as safe sex. <laughs> wow. Alice sits up terrified, looks around in panic, realizes she's alone in bed. Where's Dan? She reflexively glances toward the open bedroom window. It's currently its curtains gently billows with the morning breeze. Dan has gone home. Alice tries to collect herself. The dream is over. But we can tell by her face that she is far from all right. We stand naked and defenseless before an ever more unimaginable horror. So dissolve to Springwood High Day, close on a spray of water from a large fountain. Pan down from the water to a statue in the fountain center. And from the statue down to Dan, dressed in a graduation cap and gown. He's perched on the statue's pedestal, his arm draped irreverently across the stone man's shoulder, grinning as he speaks. College! High school is only the beginning for some of us. Don't forget, SAT stands for Sadistic Anti-Human Torture. Wider laughter from a sea of fellow graduates, is generous, who are gathered round from the base of the fountain, outnumbered by their less amused parents. Beyond them, we glimpse even more caps and gowns milling with the roving bands of adults. Most of us have just this one summer to live. And by live, I mean party! The kids send up a cheer as Dan throws his cap into the air and leaps off the fountain. He floats down to receive ascending caps, disappearing into the crowd, crowd of students. Pan over to Greta and her mother, standing at the edge of the group. Greta is living proof of what God can create when he's having a good day. She's beautiful and fashion model thin. Her only flaw might be the hint of neuroses in her perfection. Her mother, Racine Gibson, a once beautiful woman now expanding into middle age, oh, raises a... Okay. <laughs> I'm, just talking about the, I'm talking about the way the character's written. I hate it. Anyway, it's gross. Yeah. Raise yeah. a disapproving eyebrow toward Dan and the boisterous kids around him. How colorful. Who is he? Dan Jordan, captain of our football team. Charming. Angle on Greta, a head taller than everyone around her, as she suddenly squeals with delight, recognizing. <gasps> Alice! Yvonne! Through the swirling crowd, we see Alice standing with Yvonne, a very grounded black girl. Her father stands with them. Alice is a little glum, but Yvonne breaks into a wide grin as they both turn toward Greta. Hey, girl. Then Yvonne <laughs> breaks into the girl's rap. <laughs> I'm the Y, the V-O-N-N-E, and wherever I am, that's the place to be. Yvonne! Yvonne! <laughs> I'm the A-L-I-C-E, blonde hair on my head, blue eyes to see. 
Greta. Greta. The G R E T A. My mom says I'll be in magazines one day. <laughs> We're the We're three, the three together. together. And together, and together we'll be. The Y. The y the yeah. A. Don't, for, don't, don't forget, forget the G. G. <laughs> oh, Nat. All three members of YAG put their hands together in an overhead slap. Greta and Yvonne break into laughter. Alice half-heartedly joins them, about a step behind their good spirits. Hey, what's wrong with you? Let's see a smile. Had kind of a long night. Mm. Dan keeping you up again? Oops. Put a lock on that window, girl. Uh, no, the, the Dan part was nice. <laughs> These things are wild. What do you think? I think she looks like a nun. Yeah, kick the habit. Break those vows. <laughs> they laugh, Greta faints hormonal desperation. <sighs> Find me a man. Mark, good-looking, though considerably off the wall, steps into shot holding a small sketch bed and a large, excessive lollipop. He speaks to her as though he were a fashion photographer. No, it's all wrong. Sell it. More teeth and raise the arms a bit. Maybe I should spell it out for you. Maybe God's trying to tell you something. Mark smiles as Greta at Greta as he puts away his sketchbook. They're old friends and this is a familiar game. Yeah, when are you going to come to your senses? Next life. Oh, what's that? My undying love. Have some. Give up, Mark. It's hopeless. I think I'm starting to wear her down. Have some anyway. That must never pass these lips. <laughs> Greta, that's not what a cover girl puts in her body. Past her shoulder, Greta indicates Mrs. Gibson a glaring disapprovingly. Mark gets conspiratorial. Okay, meet me later. Milkshakes, cherry pie, banana splits, and no moms. Pimples, heartburn, cellulite, and no modeling career. Not to mention the heartbreak of psoriasis. Greta, come on. One burger with me. Well, one with you and I'm off to comic book land. We're high school graduates now. Time to grow up. <laughs> and speaking of grown-ups, daddy's here, superhero. All turn as Mark's father, Mr. Gray, approaches. Mr. Gray steps into shot, a rugged blue-collar type. He glances at the girls, then at Mark. His hearty cheerfulness contains a note of reproach. Hey, you Rembrandt. No wonder I couldn't find you. I thought you'd be hanging out with the guys. Mark becomes uncomfortable in the big man's presence. Hey, Dad. I thought the guys could hang out with themselves. They offer a trio of hellos. Alice turns to Mark. Did you bring your sketchbook to the ceremony? I'd love to see what you did to DW. Who? DW Yates, the principal. He looks to Mark, who goes sheepish, then fesses up. Uh, dickweed, sir. Mark, Mark's dad isn't too amused. Uh-huh. I hope you had time to finish those cross-sections I asked for. Can we get into that later, Dad? There's an awkward beat as everyone falls quiet. Good to see you again, Mr. Gray. I've got to go find Dan. Yeah, before they revoke his diploma. As Alice turns away, the cheerful smile she put on she put on dissolves, and we see that underneath she's still on edge. Follow Alice through the crowd. Suddenly, a dark shape looms up behind her, lifting her in a bear hug. Alice jumps, startled. As the big arms twirl around, she comes face to face with Dan. He smiles. Hi, beautiful. Jesus, don't do that. Sorry, babe. He sets her down, feelings hurt. Alice recovers. 
Me too. Give me a kiss. Got a present for you. He reaches into a pocket beneath his gown, grins as he hands her two airplane tickets tied with a ribbon. She tries to be enthusiastic, but it doesn't come off. The tickets! They're coach seats, but the plane lands in Paris. It's going to be a hell of a summer, hon. I know. Dan's well acquainted with Alice's moods. He turns uh, to her with a lover's required patience. Jesus. (laughs) You picked it, brother. You picked it. Okay, babe. What's the matter? Nothing. It's just... I didn't see my father at the ceremony. He'll show up. Come on, what's really wrong? I had one of those dreams last night. About him? No. Well, not exactly. It's that... I feel like I wasn't in control for the first time since all that. I'm scared. You stopped it, didn't you? It was probably just a regular bad dream. Yeah, I guess. You don't dream him up. He can't hurt you. Or me. Or us. Remember. You're right. There you go. Love you. Me too. Suddenly, Mr. Jordan, Dan's robust middle-aged father, approaches through the crowd, excited. Dan, this is Corch Ostro. Dan's father drags a gruff-looking crew-cutted man into shot. Dan's mother brings up the rear. He's interviewing this week. Coach, you're looking at the stats' finest quarterback. You, you know what they say, this boy feels the need for speed. So I've heard. <laughs> Dad, summer's just starting. We're talking about your future. Mrs. Jordan shoots a less-than-friendly look at Alice. Excuse us, dear. It's okay, Dan. Dan and his parents move away with the coach. Alice stares after them as they disappear into the crowd. Turns away at the fountain. A wall of people move away as Alice finds herself among Yvonne, Greta, and Mark again. Mark is answering Greta. That club sucks. They fucking card everybody. Let's just party at your place. You know my mother. Get real. What about Alice's? My dad's got this thing about drinking in the house. Well, we've got to do something. All right, kids. I'll tell you what we're going to do. I've got swimming practice until 6.30 today. Yeah? That means they're going to give me the key to the pool so I can lock up when done. Pool party! I dig it! Babes in wet t-shirts, no topless! Fucking heaven! (laughs) The three look at each other annoyed, then break out in mischievous grins. (laughs) The Y, the A, and don't Don't forget forget the the G. G. On cue, Yag, I'll give Mark a shove. He falls back, arms flailing, and lands on his ass in the middle of the fountain. Everybody nearby laughs. Mark looks up at the girls, innocent. What did I say? Oh, damn, I have to work tonight. Tell Dan to bring you after. Come on, let's get you mopped up. Mark, picture time. Come, get immortalized. Parents and brats. Uh, uh-huh. Retta, photo opportunity, dear. Damn, they caught me too. Guess I'd better go gnash my thousand dollar teeth for the paparazzi. You guys go ahead. I'll catch up with you later. Near the trees, Alice trudges along, staring at the ground, unhappy. Congratulations, Alice. You looked beautiful up there. I'm so proud of you. Gee, thanks, Dad. You do look beautiful. 
Alice looks up, surprised. Her father stands before her near a tree. She smiles. Her father tentatively steps back, a gruff man uncomfortable with emotional displays. I was afraid you weren't coming. I watched from behind the stands. I didn't want to embarrass you, you know. The drunk showed up and that kind of thing. That's in the past. Unless you've stopped going to meetings. No, a deal's a deal. He produces a wrap present from behind his back, hesitates awkward, then hands it to her. Alice's face lights up as she stares at the package. Well, go on, open it. She gleefully rips the paper off and opens the box. It's a camera. She smiles delighted and surprised. Dad! It's the model you've been saving up for. I wanted you to have it for the for your trip. I don't give a damn what they might think. You're terrific. She gives him a kiss on the cheek. He tries to take it in stride. She ponders him a second longer, then takes his arm and begins to lead him toward the fountain. Where are we going? To take a picture. Angle on parents and kids lining up for a group photo. Alice and her father enter shot. Alice hands her camera to someone just off screen. We see them all taking places, changing their minds, moving next to someone else. Mark's father puts a big arm around Greta's mother, beams unaware of the horror and distaste that just leaped onto Racine's face. A uh, high school parking lot later, parents and offspring are moving toward their cars. Camera pans across the crowd to Alice and Dan hugging. Her father stands a few feet away. Call me when your shift ends. Alice nods. Dan takes her father's hand. Goodbye, sir. I'll have her home by August. Just kidding. Thanks for everything, Dad. You sure you don't want to ride to work? It's just across the park. He climbs into the car, smiles his gruff smile. Okay, Angel. Have fun tonight. Exterior Springwood, dusk. Alice walks down an empty street. Perhaps too empty to be right. There is a faint sing-song noise, but it's not yet discernible as anything. Alice gives a faint look of ominous recognition. On the street, Alice passes the entrance to the park. Interior park, Alice's POV, groups of kids are playing on the swings in the sandbox on the slide. The sing-song continues. Past the other children, the M Street children play their ominous rope games. The sing-song becomes identifiable now. It's the Elm Street children's anthem. Three, four, better shut the door. No. This isn't going to happen. She closes her eyes tight, then opens them again. Worse now. All the normal children are gone. Only the Elm Street kids remain, playing their endless games. Alice grows more determined, heads into the park. Camera stays with her as she moves with increasing speed. The Elm Street children always managing somehow to stay one turn ahead of her. The park itself has taken on a foreboding darkness. The trees cast oddly elongated shadows. Alice heads left to Alice has left the path. She moves rapidly now through branches that tear at her clothing and her face. Soon she is running blindly in the direction of the ever-present voices. She breaks through some bushes and finds herself in a clearing, an open green in the center of park. She is all alone and in the effect even in the color of the glass of the grass at her feet is dreamlike. The voices have ceased. Alice's POV in a 360 pan, there's nothing but the green common with the trees and brush all around it. But from somewhere nearby, she hears the chanting voices. They've added a new couplet. 910, Freddy's back again. Camera continues in a second 360. 
And now, where there was foliage a moment ago, we see a set of gothic steps framing a silhouetted nun. Alistair's was intrigue as the children's voices fade. Angle on the steps looking down past stone gargoyles in the foreground. The nun hurries up the steps toward camera, her face obscured by her habit's veil. As the nun moves past camera, we see Alice at the bottom of the steps hurrying after her. Wait! Angle on the asylum door is at the top of the steps as the nun moves inside. Angle on steps from inside door. Alice runs up into shot, stops, glancing at something high above her. The asylum tower rising toward the sky, immense and imposing. Three windows set in a row at the very top are its only features. Reverse angle looking down at the steps. Interior hospital convent, completely deserted. Alice moves slowly down a seemingly endless corridor. She passes a deserted reception area, then an empty nurse's station, open doors leading to a frightening to into frightening pits of darkness all along the hallway. Intercut Alice's pensive, watchful face with the shadowy, ominous world through which she is walking. We just know that something really nasty is going to happen. <laughs> As she passes an open doorway, she hears a strange animal sound from the room within. She pauses, looks inside, then recoils with shock as she sees a sheep, its mouth all bloody, standing with its lamb near the carcass of a large dead snake. Suddenly, she hears the sound of rusty wheels and whirls around to see a Freddy-esque baby stroller, black, ominous-looking, rusting, rolling slowly toward, down the corridor toward Alice from behind. As it moves toward camera, pan was it to Alice as she backs against the wall, watching this evil pram roll past. Then Alice notices something beyond it, far down the corridor. Camera follows her gaze to the nun, hurrying soundlessly through a doorway. We only catch a glimpse of her as she disappears from view. Alice reacts, runs past the stroller toward the nun. The white of a nun's habit swirls out of camera to reveal a staircase. Shooting from overhead, as Alice moves into frame and starts up the staircase. Alice's POV moving up, there's a squeaky echo of wheels off screen. On Alice from below as she turns to look down. Close on Alice as she looks back up the stairs, she takes one step forward and wham. She's yanked down out of frame. A set of double doors bangs open. Alice lies on a gurney, her head tilted back to face the camera mounted behind her. The gurney races down a corridor, pushed by dirty, unshaven orderly. Bang. She is pushed through another set of doors into the delivery room. White-habited nurses, aides, and doctors all crowd around peer to peer down at her. Alice looks around, horrified and confused. A doctor leans down toward her. There's nothing to be afraid of. Just do exactly what I say. Alice sits bolt upright on the gurney. No! Her POV panning the crowd of spectators, orderlies, nurses, and doctors have all backed away from them now uh, and now crowd the walls of the room. Stop on Alice among them and track into close-ups. Alice is still in her hospital gown. Alice among the spectators has locked eyes with Amanda Kruger, who is now the one on the gurney about to give birth. Help me. Why is this happening again? Please don't let him do this. A painful contraction racks her body. Alice tries to understand the meaning of her words. Amanda is now lost in the agony of Freddy's birth. Don't panic, sister. We've got a breech birth here. It's backwards. I'm going to have to turn it around. Okay. Deep breath. Here we go. I need you to push now. Push. The birth proceeds. Holy shit. What is it? A nun stands holding something and swaddling. 
which obscures the thing from her view. She addresses her answer to Amanda. This is still one of God's creatures, you know. Take (laughs) solace in that. That is no creature of God. The nun gazes at Amanda, shocked by her words. She starts to speak. Suddenly, the swaddled bundle begins to kick and beat furiously. The nun fights to keep hold of it, but the bundle struggles free from her grasp and falls under the gurney. In a second, it scuttles into the shadows. We hear a horrible braying sound. The orderlies involuntarily step back, staring at the thing on the floor. A general panic sets in. Stop it! Give it to me! A few orderlies scramble to close the doors. Some bolt through them, racing to get away from the thing on the floor. Bedlam Rain says people shout and rush around. Alice watches transfixed, then Baby Freddy's POV stalking toward her. He scuttled between her legs and out through the double doors. Don't let it get away! The double doors swing closed. Hand to Alice as she gets back to her feet and turns. The delivery room is empty. Alice turns back to the doors. She moves slowly and deliberately. Alice takes a deep breath and reaches out to the open to open the doors. Nothing awful grabs her. Her expression changes to one of horrified recognition. It's the church where Freddy died in Nightmare 4. The horrible braying sound come from somewhere nearby. Moving past rows of seats and pews, there are slimy, gulping noises now. Sounds even more unspeakably unpleasant than the things braying. The sounds echo in a way that tells Alice nothing about where they're coming from. They could be anywhere. Alice ain't too happy about that. There is a slithering sound from the steps leading to the altar. Alice watches the cover. You're welcome. The beetle monster, Alice's POV. Now we see the baby. Its shape is vaguely human, but with the gleaming skin of a flayed goat. It seems to grow as it moves. The thing slithers toward the decaying remains of Freddy's signature outfit. All the while, its shape is becoming more loathsomely human. Her eyes widen as she realizes what's about to happen. You can't make me bring you back. The thing begins to crawl in through one of Freddy's pants legs. Alice runs to the altar. There is an ear-splitting noise of wood being ripped away. The altar rises from the floor. The floorboards begin to tilt up toward Alice as they are torn from their foundation. The angle of the rising floor toward Alice back, throws Alice back. She looks at the altar. It continues to rise, preventing her from reaching it. Alice can only desperately and impotently try to crawl uphill through the dust and smoke toward the impending resurrection, powerless to prevent it. Close shots of bits and pieces of Freddy's metamorphosis seen through growing dust of the crumbling church as that embryonic thing grows into clothes, into the glove, into the body. One final close-up of Freddy's midsection, stretching fully into shape, and then suddenly, nothing but dust and smoke, backlit by light streaming through the broken stained glass windows. Nothing but the settling dust, and somewhere behind it, a figure silhouetted in the shadows. Freddy emerges, standing in front of the pulpit with his eyes raised in ultimate mockery of the resurrection. It's a boy! Alice backs away from him, frightened and angry. Freddy's not in a very good mood, either. The two certainly <laughs> are keeping their distance. You can't come back. I locked the door on you. But I found the key. Alice almost jumps out of her skin. She spins around to see Freddy throw his head back and cackle. Then a shaft of light comes through his through the rear doors of the church. 
Freddy turns toward it. His laughter abruptly dies. Alice faces the doors, too. Amanda Kruger, in her nun's habit, gazes at them from beyond the door. She is riblet, caught in the light streaming from the three windows behind her. She points an accusing finger at Freddy. Amanda speaks in the austere voice of a young woman, so it is the same actress playing Amanda throughout. Your birth was a curse on humanity, but the more evil that was in me is no more. I will not allow this to happen again. Freddy makes a sound of pure hatred as he glares at his mother. He is almost beside himself with rage as Amanda turns to Alice. Bring him home. Home? How? Where? On Amanda and Alice as Alice runs toward her. Rid yourself of... But just as Alice is about to reach the door, they slam closed in her face. No! (laughs) Alice struggles to get the big doors open. When she does, she hurries through them only to find herself walking through the diner's front door. She's back in her street clothes. The place is empty. Too empty. We're certain that Alice is still in her nightmare. She looks around, puzzled, completely freaked out. She reels the counter and she feels counter and furniture, checking for the reality of the place. Alice, where have you been? Alice damn near jumps out of her skin, spins around. It's Anne, the classmate and coworker of Alice's. She's pretty pissed off. Relieved, Alice starts to break down. She is obviously disturbed and frightened. Oh, Anne, um, oh God, I am glad it's you. It was terrible. You're hours late. Hours? Last thing I remember was crossing the park. The party will be history by the time I get there. Great. I wish I could get a prescription for whatever you're on. What? I said thanks a lot, Alice. For nada. A raucous pool party in full swing in the swim- at the campus swimming pool. People are splashing around in the water. Some dive from the pool's edge to cannonball their friends. Laughter, chatter, and the blare of loud rock music fills the air. Suddenly, a girl's blood-curling scream rises above the cacophony. People scatter to get the hell out of the way as Yvonne, leaping off the high dive, plunges like a graceful comet toward the water's surface. Dan sleepily lies in a lounge chair. An unopened bottle of champagne decked with a ribbon rests beside him. Mark is busy sketching in his book, a big hunk with his arms around two babes. He takes a sip of beer. Greta sits next to him in a gorgeous bikini. She reaches into an ice chest and hands Dan a beer. So what did your dad say about you and Alice going to Europe? Not much. He mostly screamed. Thinks I'm throwing my life away. Who's throwing their life away? Dan. And he's taking Alex with him. Pretty good dive, though, Yvonne. You've been practicing. Two hours a day, six days a week. Have another one. Sounds like you need it. Ah, done. Gotta be on a shift in a couple hours. Aren't you kidding it? Nah, it's getting too cold for me, and my wonderful mother will kill me if I screw up my hair. She's got some model agency guy coming to dinner tomorrow night. Don't you ever get tired of your mom trying to run your life? Don't let him. Sure, no problem. He's right. Sometimes I feel like I'm living with Melisertes. Who? Oh, he was like this ancient guy I was reading about who like killed his kids because they didn't want to run the kingdom the way he thought they should. You're weird, you know that? (laughs) (laughs) Screw him! Open the champagne! Let's have a fucking party! Dan grabs the bottle away. Hands off, squirrel! That's for me and Alice. For later. Behind them, we hear the sound of glass breaking off screen, followed by a loud ouch. They turn toward the sound. 
One of their classmates clutches his foot in pain, then pulls a piece of broken glass out. Blood pours out of the room. Everyone cringes, but Mark really reacts. He turns pale, closes his eyes tight. Oh, man, I could have gone all night without looking at that. I don't believe this. All that gore you paint in the comics and you're squeamish? Just a little blood guy. Red ink I can handle by the bucket load. The real stuff makes me, you know... Vomit? Faint. You can look now. It's safe. Buck opens his eyes as the jock leans toward them. Yo, Dan, telephone. Dan <laughs> sets the bottle down and begins to head away. Uh, I'll be right back. And don't mess with the bottle. We'll guard it with our lives. Alice talks on the telephone, trying to remain calm. It was him. I was awake when it happened. Do you understand what I'm saying? He must have rinsed himself up. Jesus, Dan, I'm scared. She listens, seems to feel a little relief. I will. Just hurry, okay? Campus swimming pool. Mark sits next to Greta, showing her a sketchbook. Yvonne is stretched out in Dan's lounge chair. Dan hurriedly approaches and yanks his jacket from the back of the chair, pulling Yvonne a couple inches. <sighs> Somebody die, motherfucker! Nah, I just gotta go. Alice beckons. Dan starts to hurry away. Mark calls to him. Hey, Romeo, you forgot the secret ingredient. Dan stops. Mark has the champagne. Dan grabs it almost in afterthought and rushes away. There he goes, the fast man on three legs. <laughs> Highway next, Dan's truck speeds along a deserted stretch of road. In the truck, Dan is at the wheel. He looks intense, worrying about Alice. He's also very tired. The voice of an abrasive talk radio DJ fills the cab. We listen to him while Dan fights to keep his eyes open. Right, lady. And Elvis killed Marilyn because the Kennedys put fluoride in his water. What's the matter, lady? Did you go off your medication? He hangs up on her, pushing closer and closer on Dan as this conversation continues. Jesus, is there anyone out there with a functioning brain that wants to talk to me? Line two, you're on the air. Dan's eyes close for a second. There's an eerie buzz and static from the radio. I'm calling about my wayward ex-son, Daniel, who has just acted like an ungrateful, unmanageable dickweed ever since he was seduced by this bimbo slut whore, Alice. Dan's eyes open as he stares in shock at the radio, which has transformed itself into a rusting antique. Mom? If I were you, lady, I'd kill the ungrateful piggy. The radio changes from talk show to blaringly loud heavy metal station. Les's brilliant speed metal masterpiece Fast Track to Hell fills the car. <laughs> Dan stares down at the radio. His confusion has given way to fear. The seatbelts snake out to impossible length, wrapping around his arms. Dan manages to keep his right hand free, but the belts wind around the rest of his body, pinning his left arm uselessly to his chest. The truck crosses over the center divider, out of control. Close on gas and brake pedals, Dan tries to hit the brakes, but as his foot comes off the accelerator, the brake pedal snakes around and slams down on top of his foot, pushing the accelerator to the floor. Dan winces in pain, wrenches his left arm free of the belts, and grabs the wheel, desperately reaching with his right for the gear shift, which ducks away from his groping hand like a darting cobra. The truck lurches across the center divide and charges into oncoming traffic. Dan hunts wildly for the elusive gear shift. 
hears a loud pop from inside the cabin. He looks over. Freddy is now sitting in the passenger seat, clutching Dan's bottle of champagne. His side of the truck is now Freddyized. He takes a huge gulp of champagne, then spits it out. It hits the dash, sizzling like acid. More of it runs down his arm and shoulder. It's smoking, too. He turns to Dan. Bad year! Dan, some of the drops hit him, burning his chest and arms. Dan screams. Ah! Freddy, his striped jersey, jersey, beginning to smoke as the shoulder socket melts away. Freddy grins, turns to Dan. Better buckle up! <laughs> Low angle on Freddy as he reaches with his left arm and rips his right arm off. Then he welds the smoking socket onto the door jam above the corner of the passenger window and pulls out his hand on his claw. His arm stretches like an extended seatbelt. He hooks his claw into a Freddy buckle at his waist. Dan has been watching all of this in horror. Suddenly he hears a loud honk, wet pan with Dan to his POV, the windshield, as the bright lights of approaching truck white out the frame. Tracking toward Dan as he looks down at the gear shift lever, close on his hand, slamming down the lever into reverse. Dan's truck skids on the pavement, burning rubber, starts to melt as the brakes lock. Dan is slammed headfirst through the windshield. Shattering glass explodes all around him <laughs> as Dan flies over the hood. Campus swimming pool night flows on cement at pool's edge. Dan slams into shot, bouncing on the hard ground. His lounge chair tumbles after him. Dan's entire body is lacerated with small cuts. His hair is singed and what's left of his clothes are tattered, smoking shreds. He manages to entangle himself from the overturned chair and gets to his feet somewhere a telephone is ringing. There's what must have been... That's what must have awakened him in time to save his life. Dan looks around dazed. The pool is empty. The party has broken up. Dan turns toward the ringing phone. Behind him is a glass uh, is a glassed-in cubicle office. The ringing phone sits on a desk inside. Dan tries the door, locked, then suddenly comes to his senses in recognition. Alice! Dan turns and charges toward the parking lot. Dan's truck in the foreground, beside it, a gleaming motorcycle. Dan comes running into shot, searching himself for his keys, can't find him. He tries to open the truck's door, locked. He slams his hands against it in frustration, then notices the Yamaha 1200. Its key is snugly in the ignition slot, like an invitation. Dan hops on the bike, turns the key, and kickstarts the monster. The engine jumps to life. From across the lot, we see Dan and a uh, bike charging toward us. He roars past camera and screeches on the street. Dan guns the bike's motor and races toward the Crave Inn. Suddenly, the engine gives a terrific growl. The bike's front end comes off the ground as the bike goes into a wheelie, then accelerates down the street at an outrageous speed. Dan frantically dodges several cars, swerving into oncoming lane to pass one, then careening back to avoid a, pale, a pair of looming headlights. Dan looks down at the instrument panel. Uh, close on panel, all the gauges are redlined. Dan's face begins to distort with the g-force of this impossible ride. The bike just keeps increasing in speed. The instrument panel goes out of control. The gauges swing erratically, then begin to speed up dizzyingly. Then the panel explodes. Its cover flies away in shards, revealing a frenzied collection of moving wires and blinking lights beneath. 
The wires and lights begin to undulate in the evolution of patterns. Soon we realize a face is beginning to form out of the tangled sparking mess. The bike is moving so fast now, the other cars are only passing blurs. Dan salons through them at an impossible rate. The instrument panel continues to metamorphize. Wires spark and leap as they wind in and around each other. Lights move in uh, at the top, move toward the center to form two evil eyes. Shards of sparking metal marshal of metal marshal themselves into rows of electric teeth. Other wires form cheekbones, lips, and the sickeningly recognizable scar patterns of Freddy's skin. And that's just what we're looking at. Cybernetic Freddy. <laughs> His electric eyes stare up at Dan's frightened face with the glee of anticipation. He speaks with Mr. Jo- Mr. Jordan's voice. Time to feel the need for speed, dickweed! Dan stares down at the face in horror, then sees something really bad. His right hand clutches the handlebar throttle. Cables feed into the brake and throttle grip and plunges to his, into his hand with smoking sizzle, attaching him to the machinery. His skin begins to undulate and bubble up. Whip pan to Dan's left hand. Cables have melded with his bubbling flesh there, too. Camera cranes down across the side of the bike, where the glass tank is uh, gas tank is startling to transform into a hideous living creature slash machine distended ribs protrude the gas tank torso begins to undulate as it breathes camera continues down towards the cylinders which stretch and begin to breathe then come to rest between them and the whirring spokes of the front wheel then camera pans up and we see dan from below the handlebars through the tattered Tatters of his shredded clothes, we see more cracking, bubbling skin. His face is racked with torture and something beyond even horror. Suddenly, the handlebars now join completely to Dan's hand, thrust downward, slamming his chest to the body of the bike. Dan stares into Freddy's robotic face, now an inch away from his own. Camera tracks from left to right, passing beneath the breathing cylinders. The highway blurs below us. The camera emerges on the left side of the bike, looking back toward Dan's left leg. The exhaust pipe is merging with Dan's left leg, growing into it as Dan's skin continues to bubble and billow, then peel off. Tilt to Dan's face as we now realize that Dan has become a machine man, like a butterfly emerging from its cocoon. Close on Dan's face, only his eyes remain human. Dan struggles, continuing to meld with the machine. He opens his mouth, forcing the metallic skin to crackle around the edges and beginning a long, hideous scream. (laughs) Camera rapidly pulls back to reveal a full shot of the Freddy bike hurtling down the street to reveal it to become nothing more than an abstract blur of movement and light. Dan's scream continues to build, forming into a plea of terror. Freddy's face instrument panel push in on Freddy's leering grin. Better not dream and drive! (laughs) Extremely close on Dan's eyes, looking down at Freddy, a bright light washes over Dan's eyes. We hear an ear-splitting diesel horn. Dan looks up into camera, squints against the light. Dan's POV from inside his truck, a massive diesel semi-truck, hurtles toward camera like a juggernaut. Pull back to reveal the POV is now from inside Dan's truck. 
seeing the windshield as the twin beams of an approaching semi. Camera tilt down to Dan's unattended steering wheel. Reverse angle fast track through the windshield in slow motion. Dan frantically tries to return his now human hands to the wheel. Too late. Dan's POV. The semi's bright chrome radiator fills the screen. And the Craven, close on a hot grill as a hamburger patty is dropped onto it. The meat begins to sizzle. A radio plays. Alice is pouring a late-night customer a cup of coffee. Suddenly, the restaurant sounds distort. She hears Dan's voice calling her name. Alice steps, snaps uh, to as the coffee she's filling overflows. She drops the pot of coffee, the entire wall behind her changing to an extreme close-up of Dan's rusted nightmare face, screaming her name. Alice turns, runs toward the wall. Dan! Alice is wrecked with spasm and pain. Behind her, we make out the silhouette of a jackknife semi backlit by the flames and smoke of Dan's burning truck. We hear the blare of a jammed horn. A series of jump cuts between Alice's face and her POV, close on her face as she screams. As she nears the semi, the driver's door slams violently open. A figure lurches from the cab, grabs her as she moves past. The momentum swings them both around. The truck driver, his bloody face lit by the burning wreck of Dan's truck, his eyes are glazed and shocked. He stream, screams mildly into Alice's face. He came flying out of nowhere like he was a fucking rocket. I didn't even see him. We hear a wall of approaching sirens. Alice's tear-stained face is strobed in flashing red light as she looks past the semi-driver to see Dan's mangled body enmeshed in the wreckage. As she tries to get to him, her eyes snap open and he looks straight at her. It was him. In the hospital observation room, Black, then Alice's rimlet profile moves into frame. Track around to reveal Yvonne, working in the background, continuing to reveal that we're in an unlit hospital room. What little light there is comes from the glass observation window in the background. Through the window, we can see Alice's father conferring with a doctor, Dan's parents, and two police officers. Beyond them, we see traffic in the corridor. Alice's eyes open suddenly. It was him. Yvonne hears her and comes over, leaning into frame. You're all right. It's okay, honey. I'm right here. Alice. Dan's been in an accident. It was no accident. It was Kruger. He used to get in through my dreams, but not anymore. He found some other way. Alice, it's no dream. Sorry. Dan's dead. Alice stares at her as her eyes fill with tears as she remembers. As she starts crying, she clutches Yvonne in a desperate embrace. At the sound of her crying, Dr. Moore and her father leave Dan's parents and approach Yvonne and Alice. I'm so sorry, honey. Daddy, he's coming back. Kruger's coming back. Make him understand. Calm down. Take it easy. You're hitting shock. Alice, the police found fragments of a champagne bottle. Dan didn't drink, you know that. It was probably for me to celebrate our trip. Her father looks away helpless. Dr. Moore turns to him and speaks in a confidential, professionally calm voice. These sorts of outbursts aren't entirely uncommon. Many women have them in the, fir in the first few weeks. 
especially if they've suffered a traumatic shock. But don't worry, young lady, you're going to be fine. I won't be fine, and neither will any of my friends. We've got to do something. Dan's already dead. Don't you see? He's back, and he's just getting started. What do you mean? What's he talking about? What's wrong with me? Nothing. You're just a little pregnant. Close on Alice's stunt, she lies back, closing her eyes tightly. A tear forms at the edge of one and spills down her cheek. The doctor wants to keep you here overnight. Just for routine observation, to make sure you're as comfortable as possible. And baby. Fade out. Hospital room. Observation room. Dawn. Alice lies in bed, apparently asleep. The camera pans slowly around the room. It is eerie in here now with the long shadows of hospital equipment thrown away, thrown across the walls by the dimmed hallway lights. The camera continues slowly, deliberately, to move around the room until we are on the open doorway. Stop. Jacob, a boy of about six or seven, stands there watching Alice. He's frail, otherworldly, not ghost-like, but possessing a strange, transcendent quality. He wears a white hospital robe and stands without moving, just staring at Alice with a transfixed smile of happiness. Alice's gaze at the ceiling slowly moves toward the child as though she were willed by some force to notice him. She's startled at first by his presence, then she realizes he's only a boy, even if he is a little odd. Hey, wake up. Huh? Hi there. My name is Jacob. She smiles. She waits. She just watches. This drunken child stands there in the way. <laughs> I have a feeling so deep Intoxicating child. Can you in your room, Jacob? It's lonely in there. In my room. My name is... Sorry your boyfriend got killed. Oh. How did you know that? I can tell you were sad. I just wanted to see if you were alright. Jacob, as he's already disappeared down the dark corridor, holding Alice's troubled face. Alice and Yvonne walk out of the building. Have you visited the little boy on my floor, Jacob? The one who looks kind of bad? There are any little boys on your floor. He must have wandered up from the children's ward. I just wondered what was wrong with him. We don't have a children's ward, honey. But he was wearing a hospital robe. I don't know what to tell you. Alice takes this then. Thinks about a hospital that can't treat children. Yvonne looks more concerned <laughs> about Alice's state of mind. <laughs> Did everyone call everyone? Um, they're waiting for us, but let's keep this dream stuff between you and me, yeah? Alice's bedroom, day, close on Alice, pacing and speaking animatedly, camera tracks with her. Amanda Kruger was part of a religious order that ran that asylum. She was raped and had the baby there in the 1940s. That baby grew up to be Freddy Krueger, who murdered 20 or 30 kids right here on Elm Street. He got caught, but the courts cut him loose on a technicality. The parents of the murdered kids formed a posse and killed him, torched him. Back to Greta, holding her disbelieving face, she lights up a cigarette. 
Cover girls can't smoke, Greta. But that was just the beginning. He keeps on killing. Only now he kills people in their dreams, their nightmares. And he uses my dreams to get to his victims. I've got to write some of this stuff down. That's why it's my fault, Dan said. Stop saying that. It's bullshit. I want to talk about the baby. Yeah, congratulations, I guess. That's not what we're here for. Look, Dan's parents were pushing him, pushing him hard. He was bitching about it at a party last night. He was under pressure. We all are. Pushy parents can make you more than a bit crazy. What's that got to do with it? When Dan died, you weren't even asleep. You said so. And a story. Then he must have found another way. Christ, Mark, Mr. Compassion. Listen, this isn't a goddamn joke. He gets in through my dreams somehow. I, I thought I could control it, but something's changed, and I don't know what he'll do next. Look, we all liked Dan, and we love you. Bottom line, Alice... Anybody, supernatural or not, that wants to hurt that wants to hurt you, he'll have to go through us first. All of us. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm afraid of. Hold on, Alice, then. Uh, Alice's kitchen night. Alice removes a couple of frozen microwave dinners from the refrigerator and sets them on the counter. While she does so, the camera tracks around as she leans on the counter. We push in to reveal she's lost in thought, tears forming in her eyes. Her father comes in carrying a bag of groceries. How was the meeting? <laughs> Sobering. Very funny. Alice? Since when are you such a smart shopper? <laughs> Since my little girl became a mom. You disappointed in me? No, I'm not. I sort of hope it's a boy. Uh, be nice to have a boy playing in the house again. Alice looks at him, then hugs him. A beat her father gently pries away, manages a little smile. Just don't make a habit of it. Oh, fuck you, Alice's dad. Alice goes back, reaches for the can opener. Come on, let's do salad. Uh, Greta's bedroom night, close on Greta from behind. Sitting up on the edge of her bed, all around her, propped up on pillows and covering her dresser and chairs, are several dolls, some of which are cleverly, are clearly wind up with keys in their backs, everything from Barbies to European porcelain. Her mother's shrill voice comes from down the hall as we hear her try to open Greta's locked bedroom door. Greta! Our guests are waiting, dear. Appearances, you know. Let's not make them impatient. Flash him your booze. The sight of all that plastic ought to stun him for a while. Coming, mother! Kreta pulls herself together, wipes her eyes, sets the china doll on the bedstand to the photo, gets up, angle on the china doll in the foreground as Greta moves to the bedroom door in the background and exits. In Greta's dining room, close on hands, opening a bottle of wine. The cork comes out with a muffled pop as the hand begins to pour. It's true. People are always mistaking us for sisters. Racine Gibson sits at the head of the massive table, hosting one of her expensively catered dinner parties. Though she doesn't look in the least like Greta's sister, the other guests nod and titter politely. The house is decorated in modern pretentiousness, and the guests match the spirit of the room. Greta sits as the, at the opposite end of the table from her mother, wearing a beautiful white dress. 
One of the guests turns from Greta to her mother. Greta certainly has the perfect body for modeling. You know, Eileen Ford's a friend of mine. I told her about you. She's very interested. Greta, you're being offered the chance of a lifetime. I think you should show a little gratitude. One of my friends died yesterday. Mother, do you mind if I take a few hours off to remember him? But we're having a party, dear. I read about him. Drunk or something, wasn't he? He was just a friend of Greta's, not someone special. Not someone she was seeing, you understand. Really just an acquaintance. Sad. Reminds me of Fitzgerald. Although in his stories, it's generally the women who have pointless, violent deaths. Greta tries to ignore what is clearly a drunk hospital child in the trench coat. The other <laughs> guests with their own literary illusions and comparisons. Greta closes her eyes to shut them out. For a second, she seems to nod, catches herself, looks up as <clears throat> Frederick, the caterer, steps forward and offers a silver tray of food. You don't see his face, but a sil- sliver of green and white jersey. Jersey. Peeks from above his stretched tuxedo collar. Greta shakes her head no. No, thank you, Frederick. I- I'm not hungry. Frederick steps away. The other guests strangely cease conversing mid-sentence and turn to her. Greta's mother notices with alarm, faces her daughter. Aren't you eating? I don't really feel up to it. The other guests begin to eat voraciously. Really, dear, you ought to try something. You're the one who's always slapping my hand about weight watching. Her mother glances nervously at the other guests. Her voice takes on a shrill edge. But that's why we diet, dear, so we can eat at social events and not upset the other guests. Frederick intrudes. Madame, if I Madame, if I may. He wheels in a trolley with a sterling silver chafing dish on it. He turns to Greta and pushes the tray to the hideous baby chair which Greta's chair has become, pinning her in place. The guests continue chowing down while Mom beams approvingly. Greta stiffens into a parody of two-straight posture. Frederick removes the lid of the sterling silver chasing chafing dish with flourish, revealing a perfect miniature doll-like replica of Greta. With a flourish, he proceeds to slit it open, belaying it in front of Greta's horrified eyes with one of the blades of Freddy's clawed hand. Frederick has now become Freddy, transforming from the normal Robert Englund to Freddy Krueger. At the end of the blades on Freddy's claw, a sharpened silver spoon now exists. He's scooping into the dissected doll and begins to feed Greta, forcing some of the mush into her mouth. Greta resists, turning her hand to spit it out. Freddy jerks her head back to the front. Greta's POV as her head is snapped back. Another claw, spoonful of mush in her face. You are what you eat! The table guests laugh and feast in the background. Nothing but the best for Greta. Second helping! The guests laugh as Greta struggles, helplessly moaning and groaning her objections. Don't with your mouth full, dear. Greta stares at the claws, scoop wide-eyed as they force the mush into her mouth. Greta's POV as Freddy shoves another spoonful. Don't forget dessert! 
A rare delicacy. Why don't you reveal what Freddy is feeding her? He stands over Greta, scooping his claw into her torso as though it were made of ice cream and delivering the stuff back up into her mouth. Greta screams in horror as she realizes what she's eating. In Alice's kitchen over her shoulder, she steps to the refrigerator and grasps the door handle. We get a glimpse of something foreboding in a split second before she opens the door, a Freddy magnet above the handle that says, Die, bitch. Alice pulls the door open, push in to past her groceries inside. A real Freddy food feast of graveyard leftovers. Flies swarm around when Alice opens the door. Maggots, rot, and cobwebs. Dripping, feeded garbage. Then suddenly, Greta's hideously mutated face shoots into close-up from the right frame. Her cheeks have become horribly distended. Food spills from her mouth as she tries to scream. Freddy! Then Alice leaps into action. She grabs Greta's hands and begins to pull with all her might. But as she... But she can't get Greta out. Dad! Pull back fast away from the struggle through the kitchen door uh, into the living room and further back until Alice's father appears to the left foreground sitting in his easy chair reading the newspaper. Dad, help! POV from inside the refrigerator, looking past the mounds of disgusting stuff to Alice and Greta. Suddenly, Freddy's claw comes into the foreground shot. Alice has managed to pull Greta a couple inches further from the open door when Freddy lunges out of the refrigerator. With lightning speed, he grabs out of Greta's arm and yanks the door closed with a wham. No! Downhangle on Alice as she sits, as she quickly yanks the fridge open again and sees nothing. Everything is back to normal. No sign of Greta or Freddy. Uh, Greta's dining room in the dream. Freddy and Greta. Freddy shoves another claw full of stuff into Greta's into Greta's mouth. She starts to choke. Freddy pulls Greta to him, hugs her, patting her back like a parent burping an infant. He's almost cradling her as she continues to choke life out of herself. Freddy's padding becomes harder. Greta jolts under each slap on the back. In the dinner party, she starts to choke. Her face goes blue. She stands up. The guests stare in shocked amazement. Greta stands arms out, leaping forward as though suspended as if Freddy were still burping her. And she pitches forward face first into her plate. Greta's mother looks down in shock at her obviously dead daughter. Greta? Exterior Grace Construction Night, a big industrial shop. Mark's father's business and their home. Rain falls on the cement drive, glistening in the light that spills from beneath the big half-open delivery door. Across from the door, we see Gray and Sun construction. The and Sun has been recently added. Alice and Yvonne, still in her nurse's uniform, approach. Grace Construction, a huge warehouse and commercial shop. Rows of scaffolding filled with prefab door and wall units recede into the darkness. A glass partitioned office fills a corner near the door. We can see Mark's father moving around inside of it. Alice and Yvonne enter and move toward the office door. Mr. Gray, is Mark around? Back there somewhere. In the racks of the scaffolding, the rays of light, uh, a rays of a single work light, high on the back of the wall, stab like fingers through the maze of scaffolding. Silhouetted against them, Mark slowly glides between the racks on a skateboard, a solitary and forlorn figure. Mark, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just aces. Looks like he's not. 
I want to talk to both of you guys about Greta and. I'm very fucking sorry, but Greta's dead. Okay, can we just interest you with someone else? It was just an accident, like with Dan. No accident. I tried to warn all of you guys about Kruger. Please, Alice. The last words have left an effect on Mark. He brings his skateboard to a halt, gives her a direct look. I thought about that. She must have fallen asleep at the table. Stop it, Alice. Just stop it. Stick to the facts. Too bad. I don't understand what's happening. Kruger has to use my dreams, but he got to Dan and Greta while I was awake. How is he doing it? Why don't you two stick to reality? Why don't you shut up and let her talk? Two of us died in the past two days. Does that strike you as particularly fucking normal? Mark. I'm not finished. I love Greta, like a lot. But if maybe, just maybe someone or something killed her, I'd like to fucking hear about it. I can't listen to fucking this shit, man. Hurt, Yvonne starts to get up, turns for the stairs. Mark realizes he's being a jerk. Now, punches his fist against the scaffolding in frustration mm. and calms himself down. Mm. Oh, shit. Yvonne, wait a minute, will ya? Look, I'm an asshole. I know I'm not dealing with this very well. It's not your fault. I'm sorry. It's okay. Stick around, please. Mm. Wish I could, but I'm on a night shift again. Gotta go. I can stay for a while if you want. Uh, In Mark's room, later a combination studio and storage space for the world's largest collection of comics. The entire loft is a network of scaffolding. Lots of scaffolding. Shelves for his comics, fantasy posters, and sci-fi memorabilia. Stuffed in among them are tons of books on mythology and the occult. God, I want to punch this writer. <laughs> do you think I'm an? Do you think I'm an idiot for being in love with her? No, nobody thinks that. Everybody Some people think that. that. Text the walls of Apple like I'm not Jesus. Works in progress of Mark's superhero content creation. As the camera pans around the sketches, we see the evolution of this character. Several names have been tried and crossed out, as Mark's conception has continued to bloom. Continue to pan until we come to a six-foot poster of the character in his final incarnation as the Phantom Prowler. I mean, I know I didn't stand a chance in hell, but... He didn't. Past the prowler, <laughs> sitting near his drawing table. She sits next to him, a comforting arm around his shoulder. She cared a lot about you. Maybe it was her mother who killed her with all that polyperfect shit. It wasn't her mother. The only reason we're still here is that none of us has slept at the graduation party. Tell me some more about this Kruger guy. Why don't I go make some coffee? There's a lot to tell. Alice is coming back into the room with two steaming mugs. She looks around. No Mark. Mark? She starts forward, looking around for him. In the bed, Mark, who doesn't fucking listen, has fallen asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Cassie. 
Although Alice can't see him, she approaches the drawing table. On the table, the sketch of Greta begins to move, reassembling itself into a drawing of the Elm Street house. Mark stands on the porch, opening the door. Alice realizes what's happening. She reaches her hand toward the page. Take on me. Take on me. Mark, no! (laughs) But as he goes inside, Alice quickly picks one of Mark's colored felt-tip pens and draws a (laughs) stick figure of herself next to the Elm Street house. She writes Alice above the figure, then throws the pen down and closes her eyes, concentrating. Push in on Alice, eyes closed, using all of her will. The background distorts as Alice goes into the dream. Pull back from Alice's face, and we now see that we're in the Elm Street house. Alice goes inside into the house living room. Alice rushes inside, comes to a halt as she sees a huge gaping hole in the floor and the plot with jacket something out of Mark's cartoon. Hey, I didn't say anything. Don't call me that. Which slowly begins to tear. Alice rushes over through the hole. She sees what Mark is about to drop into, into the pulsating fetal canal. Alice. The wild women, the wild women. As she kneels down and stretches her hand toward Mark. Mark looks up at Alice, noticing her for the first time, as if maybe she's not sure she's really there. He hesitates. The paper tears some more. He's about to fall. Take it! Terrified, wretches into a bloody hand towards Alice, straining to reach her fingertips. Fetal canal POV. above, slipping lower as the paper continues to tear. Mark and Alice down angle. Alice gets down on her belly, trying to reach closer to Mark, who keeps slowly slipping further into the hole. Close on her hands, fingertips quivering a millimeter apart, then touching, then moving toward each other, palm into each other's palms until their hands firmly grip. Canal POV. Alice begins to pull Mark up away from camera. Alice and Mark continue struggle to Alice as Alice struggles to pull Mark up from the yawning mouth of the canal. It begins to close around him, <laughs> trying to suck him back in. With a final tug, Alice yanks Mark out of the canal as it closes, leaving no trace on the now normal floor. Let's on the front door, Alice races into shot toward the open door. Mark follows close behind. As Alice flings the door open, Mark comes to a halt back to camera, noticing something in his hands. Blood. He stares in horror. Come on, Mark! Mark stands reali- close on Mark, realizing before his face his eyes are open in shock. Then they start to unfocus as he begins to wobble. And the next second, he is falling out of frame. Yeah. Alice as Mark faints himself awake. As he's about to hit the floor, he dissolves away. Alice starts to turn back to the door when something out of frame catches her eye. Camera pants to the right until we see absolutely sloshed Jacob. (laughs) 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 Alice freezes. Staring at this odd child with a mixture of compassion <laughs> and wariness. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh sorry, something early. 
Oh, hello. Hi, you don't look very well. Have you been drinking? (laughs) 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 Been having bad things. Oh, it's probably the mescaline. Is this where you (laughs) live? Guys, is this turning into an intervention? Yeah. <laughs> Jacob, can we please you. respect this script? Can we please respect this script? For the love of God. Respect the script! <laughs> Credit or good. The writer didn't even inspect the script, Mike. Oh. We're about three yags away from respecting the script. <laughs> We're about 40 pages away from the end of the script. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Fucking Christ. Is he? <laughs> Your captain the narrator thanks you. <laughs> Alice takes another step forward. Uh, I don't think this is a nice place for you to be. You're falling over. just fell. She doesn't want me around. Oh, I'm sure that's not true. I'll bet she's very worried about you. I would be... No, you're not. You don't even care about being a mom. How come you don't think about me? Did I? Wait, what? <laughs> I, I like you. I want to stay with you. Why don't you want me? You're Is the reason mommy drinks. With me? <laughs> Alice <laughs> stares at him. Who says I don't like you? My friend with the funny hand. Come on, we're <laughs> getting out of here. I have to go now. He wants me again. Oh, Jacob! She runs after him, charging up the stairs and finding herself in Mark's loft. Morning, Alice climbs up the last stair and steps into the loft, looking round, surprised. She's back in reality. Oops, there goes gravity. (laughs) Where's Rabbit? Stares at the cut in his hands with amazement and nodding realization. Holy shit. He's really real, isn't he? So that Alice more concerned than ever. Are you okay? She's doing something to my baby. I know it. He's trying to hurt Jacob. Who's Jacob? My baby. Wait, you named it already? <laughs> yeah? I think he already had a name. Had <laughs> a drinking problem. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get away from here. Someplace where Kruger can't find him. What's for the stairs, Mark restrains her. Whoa, slow down. How are you going to hide from a guy like that? Leave the planet? I don't know. This is on the verge of tears. Mark puts his hand on her shoulders, trying to emotionally steady her. Look, if you're worried about your baby, call Yvonne. Have the doctor check him out. Where are you going? I'm going to see what else I could find about Mr. Fred Kruger. <laughs> In the hospital, Faye, Alice hurries down the near-deserted corridor. Yvonne rushes up to, rushes to keep up beside her. She looks concerned. Hey, you had me scared on the phone. What's wrong with the baby? I think Kruger's trying to do something to it. <laughs> oh, Alice, no. Honey, I love you, but you're going to have to get a hold of yourself. Mark knows I'm not crazy. Ask him to show you his hand. Uh, I really think you need to calm down now, okay? I just can't figure out how he's getting in when I'm awake. Suddenly a thought strikes her. Baby's dream? Yeah. 
They do, but do us both a favor. Don't mention any of this to Dr. Moore. Yvonne adjusts the ultrasound monitor. Dr. Moore finishes his pre-examination of Alice. He's extremely irritated. Developing fetuses can spend up to 70% of their day in what we call dreams. Or as they mature. Would I be able to sense them? Is that why you're here? To see if your baby's having nightmares? We're here to find out everything we can, aren't we? Frankly, I've found nothing about you that would indicate the necessity of ultrasound at this stage of your pregnancy. Well, I want to know why a candy striper is allowed to work an ultrasound machine, but I also want to make sure that my baby's all right. <laughs> <laughs> has the ultrasound device to Dr. Moore. He runs the device over Alice's baby. The ultrasound monitor, the screen comes with a flip. A barely distinguishable black and white image appears. The heart seems strong. Let's hear it. Yvonne flicks a switch and a steady rhythmic beat begins on the track coming from a speaker above the monitor. Alice watches the screen fascinated. Suddenly, the picture begins to shift and distort with electronic spasms. The sound of the baby's heartbeat begins to grow louder uh, and surreal. Alice turns apprehensively to Yvonne and Dr. Moore, who are oblivious to any of this. Then the wall behind Alice starts to pulsate and become flesh-like. It ripples uh, blue-red with veins. Then a gaping uh, hole opens, and we are staring once again into the fetal canal. Dude, this rider is so obsessed with gaping holes. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, His only throughout the day is gaping. <laughs> Have you noticed uh, that the writer also misspelled angle a couple times in the so script? Many times to angel. He wrote angel. <laughs> Good God. Angle of mine. <laughs> Just call me Angle of the Mind. <laughs> oh, can't believe Buffy didn't wind up with Angle. Alice has an iridescent beam of light, flies right. through a landscape of pulsing red blood, blood Thanks, vessels Matt. and living tissues. We are inside Alice's body. An enormous valve yeah. stretches open, and the beam of light shoots through it with it's then drops out of flame, out of frame. Hold a beat. Alice floats up into frame, a translucent figure, ethereal, much like an angle. She's caught in a glow of light. We turn with her to see her unborn baby, glowing with innocence, floating umbilical cord in the forehead. <laughs> On Alice as she approaches the child. She's fascinated, enchanted, until she sees something beyond the (laughs) A face protruding from the uterine wall. Freddy Krueger smiling at Alice. Hi, Alice. See a family resemblance? (laughs) Alice reacts in fear as she sees the umbilical cord beginning to bulge as something forces its way through toward through her baby. The bulge moves down the cord, then a second one enters from the wall. Both things travel toward the fetus's belly, like golf balls moving through a python. What did I eat? Whoosh, whoosh, they shoot into the fetus. <laughs> <laughs> Alice's fear 
returned to utter horror as she sees the fetus. Its skin has turned translucent as we see the tiny, as in hideous death, souls of Dan and Greta in the child's belly. On the souls screaming in terror, Freddy's huge face leering in twisted pleasure. The baby's face begins to slowly transform into a mask of fear and pain. Its eyes begin to flutter on Freddy as he realizes the child is on the verge of awakening. He grimaces in anger and frustration. Alice screams at Freddy. Don't touch him! The child begins to turn toward Alice as it nears consciousness. Its eyes open, staring in wonder for just a second. Then, into Dr. Moore's office, close on Alice, eyes open wide in terror. She looks around, panicked. What's he doing to my baby? Your baby is perfectly healthy. A little large for so early on, but as normal as any I've seen. He's taking their souls, their spirits, (laughs) to make the baby like him. Come on, sweetie, I'll take you home. You'll feel better after you get some real sleep. Yvonne manages to guide Alice from the room. Dr. Moore watches them leave. A man who somehow thinks that a fully developed fetus is a normal days old size for a days old baby. He checks so something a out. Republican. Got it. <laughs> picks, the telephone and dia- picks up the telephone and dials the number. In Alice's bedroom, she enters carrying two mugs of coffee and speaking in a frantic rush. Yvonne follows behind, a look of deep concern on her face. Dan was there. Greta, too. Kruger killed them, and now he's feeding them to Jacob. Alice. Alice, I want you to stop and listen to yourself. Do you know how you sound? Completely insane, but I'm not. And if you're my friend, you'll try to believe me a little bit. I am your friend, and I'm worried sick about you. But you're like a locked safe. You can start dealing with reality, yeah? Kruger is reality. Oh, and so is your baby. You gotta take more than yourself to, you gotta more than yourself to think of now. What do you think I'm doing? Look, whether you believe it or not, Kruger is back. He's after the baby, and if I don't try to do something about it, who will? All I know is that you're not doing yourself or the baby any good by acting like a crazy woman. Why do you take off? Leave Springfield and cool out somewhere for a while. God damn it, Yvonne. You don't run away from this guy. He finds you in your dreams. Yeah, he sure found a few others before us. You too? He invited me to his fucking house last night. It's <laughs> <laughs> a perv. We're all tired. You never had any sleep since Friday night. That's the only reason you're still alive. No, it's not. <laughs> Yvonne, look through the stuff. She's not crazy. Yvonne lost the folder from Mark's hand, scattering its contents everywhere. She storms out, slamming the door behind her. The Xerox clippings float to the floor. Mark glances at Alice. You okay? I found out how Kruger's been doing it while I'm awake. He's using Jacob's dreams. We've got to stop him. You know, there is one way. Have you thought about not having the baby? I mean, no baby, no baby's dreams. I couldn't do that. I totally lost my place on the page. He's my last link with Dan. No, I want him. Then we'll find another way. (laughs) 
tonight on a very special A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> In the 80s, no one wanted an abortion ever. They just pretended they did for society's sake. <laughs> they could have. <laughs> Bearing a photo of Amanda Kruger lies in foreground. She picks it up, stares at it, pondering. <laughs> I've seen her. Well, this is what's downward. Uh, Alice, can you come down a minute? Alice comes out of stairs. Her father is sitting in the room with Dan's parents, Mr. and Mrs. Jordan. Bullshit. Oh, hi. <laughs> Alice, Mr. Jordan and I wanted to see how you were feeling. Come, sit down. <laughs> the thing she needs right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this isn't really a good time. Uh, maybe you could come back. Frankly, dear. We wondered what you intend to do with our baby. <laughs> Holy shit. What I want? Well, I've thought about it, and I plan to keep him. We're concerned that this all might be a little too much for you. I mean, being single and, well, everything. <laughs> what Mr. Jordan means is that we're aware of the burden that raising a child place on you. We're offering to help. Adopt it and raise it as if it were. Look, I appreciate what you're offering, but now it's my responsibility. <laughs> and ours. It's our grandchild. Jesus. Doris, <laughs> Doris, maybe this Doris. wasn't such a good... Yeah, Doris. <laughs> Well, in your present condition, Alice, we're worried about your ability. What are you talking about? My condition? But he mentioned her condition. Alice's <laughs> father gives Jordan, Mr. Jordan a dark look, surprised, as this conservative Juno continues. <laughs> we, ha uh, we had a call from Dr. Moore. He, he said Alice was hysterical, that she's been having paranoid delusions, and... So HIPAA laws don't mean shit. Okay, you don't understand. We know you've been through a lot, but there's more than your feelings at stake here. Wow. You're not taking my baby. The court may not agree with you. But I do. I've heard enough of this shit. You think you can just walk into my house and start threatening my daughter? Fuck yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, swirling jacuzzi as Yvonne approaches she steps up to the side of a different scene and gingerly stretches out her foot to test the water oh shit it's cold close on the surface of water frothing and bubbling ominously Yvonne's toes glide down into frame hovers then dips into the swirling white water close on Yvonne smiling happily Thus, on the surface of Jacuzzi, as Yvonne lowers herself into the luxurious water. We're sure any second something is going to rise up and eat her, but nothing happens yet. She dun, sinks dun. into her neck, <laughs> uh, uh, purring like a kitten. Her eyelids grow heavy. 
start to slide closed. She quickly opens them, starts to rise up. Campus pool wide shot. No one in sight. Yvonne enters wet from the jacuzzi, tosses her towel on a chair and heads for the high dive. Ladder low angle, Yvonne climbs into shot, going up the ladder on the board overhead. She stretches and starts walking on the board. Water shivers in the pool 30 feet below her. Over her shoulder, as she moves onto the board. Camera tracks down, level with the back of her head. The end of the board from below, looking back uh, and up at Yvonne as the board strangely begins to tremble. Yvonne reacts as the trembling increases. The entire board begins to shake violently, whipping back and forth. Yvonne fights to keep her balance. Yvonne reaches for the rail. It comes off in her hand. Over Yvonne's shoulder at the edge of the board, rust runs from uh, the end like a wave breaking on the shore. Then the board begins to split and crack, forming into four pieces. Freddy's claws. The board side angle. The claws at the end of the board begin to roll up and move toward Yvonne. She steps back. Over Yvonne's shoulder as she retreats from the approaching claws, suddenly a jagged thumb forms the rear of the board, rolls into shot, trapping her. She's literally in the palm of Freddy's hand. Freddy's claw from below rolls up around Yvonne. Freddy's claw side angle holds a terrified Yvonne in its palm, about to close over her. She has only a second to act. Yvonne leaps from the claw, and she moves down through frame, tumbling out of control. Uh, On the pool, uh, Yvonne's POV about 70 feet below, getting closer every second as the camera races for it. Angle on Yvonne in slow motion. She begins to regain her equilibrium, straightens out, starts moving into a diving position. Now in perfect diving form, she gracefully slides through the air like a knife. Yvonne's face suddenly fills with horror. She screams as she sees the pool from above, which was full a second ago, now empty save for a small puddle in the center. Close on the bottom of the pool, Yvonne hits the puddle. Water splashes up and keeps her going right through the concrete. Black limbo. Suddenly, Yvonne breaks from the void in a crash of shattering glass. Fragments and shards sparkle and glimmer as she plummets past camera in the Freddy jacuzzi, a small, small room with rusted and decaying lockers along the walls, like some forgotten something forgotten in an ancient gym. The entire floor is a nightmare jacuzzi churning with blood. <laughs> Eerie red lights coming from beneath the swirling surface plays over the crusted walls. Suddenly, Yvonne dives down into shot, plunging through the surface of the boiling blood, then disappears. In Mark's room, night, uh, close on a grainy black and white photo of Amanda Kruger. Frozen in time, staring from her nun's habit, eyes filled with infinite sadness and despair. She's standing on the grounds of the asylum, its tower looming over her. They think I'm nuts. That's their problem. No, it's our problem, Mark. If I don't deal with this, they might try to take Jacob. You said she committed suicide? That's what the newspapers thought. She spent the rest of her life in the asylum. After Kruger's trial, she flipped out and hung herself. So they thought. Meaning? (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't prove it. No body. Nuns bumping themselves off is bad for business. But I've seen her grave. 
Empty plot, memorial stone, vacant. They never did put it under. Cool, huh? <laughs> he hands the cloak ring. Alice scans it. We see the obituary, obituary with the headline, A victim of the evil within us all. Special tombstone to memorialize a nun. Poor woman. Yeah, no shit. I don't understand. She killed herself. Her soul's going to be in torment. Wow. Where'd you hear that? <laughs> it's here somewhere. <laughs> Alice looks down at the book, going with all the right-wing classics. It's a great <laughs> early Christian mythology. Mark <laughs> moves to Why would he have that? Thumbs for a page. We heard Melisarius wrote it. Finds it. <laughs> reads. Transmigration, soul of the sinner. Yeah. Trapped in this earthly resting place. These pictures are totally cool. Oh, that's why. Alice gives a friend and goes back to Amanda's photo. Down in the asylum tower. In the dream, she was trying to stop him. She started to tell me how, then the door slammed. He must have done it. That goes on the photo, tied on Amanda's face, following Amanda's uh, Alice's gaze. Camera pans up from Amanda's face to the asylum tower behind her. Alice ponders the tower. There's no other way. Alice and Mark, she puts the photo down and faces Mark. I want you to stay awake and watch me, okay? No problem. What are you going to do? I'm going to find out how to deal with this guy once and for all. Deal with that shit. Alice turns and steps out of frame. (laughs) Close on Mark, still perusing the volume. His back to Alice. Suddenly, Freddy's claw shoots from the desk lamp and slams the book closed. Mark jumps, stunned. He blinks. Did that really happen? Then he grabs his mug of coffee and takes a long drink. Push, focus, full screen. There's a drawing of Mark's comic book creation, the Phantom Prowler. Suddenly, a huge hand holding a pencil comes into frame and continues the sketch. Slowly tilt up to Mark's tired face, filled with an artist's concentration. He glances off screen. Camera slowly follows him. <gasps> Alice sleep in his bed. Uh, tracks him close on her face until the dark wall uh, behind her becomes, becomes the corridor in the asylum. She opens her eyes and sits up. Camera follows her, and she starts and moves down the corridor. Amanda! Amanda, I need to talk to you. Alice walks past camera into shot and pauses. Sees the staircase starts hurrying at the staircase. Alice glances toward the top instead of leading to a leading to a doorway. The stairs dead end against a brick wall. She climbs the stairs to the bricked up doorway at the top, laying her head on the wall, pressing her hand to it. She murmurs, "Found you." Where are you going, piglet? <laughs> This party's just starting. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Alice starts rolling across the wall. As we pull back, the camera turns on its axis to reveal that Freddy has adjusted things. The set is now tilted on a different axis. Alice is rolling away from the camera down the staircase, but on the wall, not the stairs. Suddenly, a rusting metal door is revealed in the wall down which uh, she rolls. She rolls into it and crash lands into the nightmare jacuzzi room. Freddy slowly rises from the boiling jacuzzi until he stands on the surface of the pool, grinning smugly. Alice climbs to her feet, warily. 
Freddy plunges his arm beneath the surface and yanks Yvonne up by the hair. She sputters and chokes, gasping for air. Freddy laughs. <laughs> Look what I found! Alice is taken by surprise and steals herself. At the staircase, Alice glances toward the top. Instead of a brick wall in the doorway, the stair dead end against another brick wall. She climbs the stairs to <laughs> reveal uh, there's a bricked-up doorway at the top. Laying her head on the wall, pressing her hands to it, she murmurs. Found you. Huh. And that's what and and that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> good, good. Shakespeare, Shakespeare. Good. They speak. She flails across the stomach, where Yvonne executes a backflip, and previously seen in her diving sequence, out of Freddy's grasp and onto dry land. Freddy staggers back and disappears into the jacuzzi. Alice and Yvonne run back up to the asylum and slam the door behind them on the now-empty jacuzzi. We cut back inside the jacuzzi to reveal Freddy's hand emerge uh, from under the still-bobbing hat. Yvonne and Alice sprawl on the corridor from where they land. Yvonne turns to Alice and throws her arms around her. Are you all right? <laughs> yeah. So that's him. And you're not crazy. No kids. <laughs> We've got to find Amanda. She's the key. Scroll down to Mark. Okay, Mark is intrigued. Uh, Mark's being Mark. Mark sees his comic book. Illustrations depict the other mayhem that Freddy has already caused. Dan's death in Yvonne's dive. You shitty son of a bitch! There's a drawing of him lying on the floor, reading a comic book. The drawing is followed by several blank frames. Uh, Mark stares a moment, touching the first empty frame, then turns uh, a line drawing and begins to unravel into the comic book. Uh, it's a whirlwind of black and white comics swirled around and slowly start to reveal Mark in color, backed against the wall of black and white, pretty eyes scaffolding. Again with the scaffolding. He looks around amazed. Love it. Back to reveal he's standing in the corner, made by two walls of scaffolding, the tower above him, rusting to carpet, held together at an odd angle, a nightmarish cross between Mark's comic stuff, racks, and the ones in his father's workshop. Mark looks around, frightened, starts climbing his way up and out, freezes when he hears rip. Mark looks through the scaffolding and sees Freddy on the other side, ripping through the scaffolding. Uh, supports as though they were made of paper, cutting his way to Mark. Time to cut another story character out of your story, Mark. <laughs> Mark Wish we story. cut the story. Why? <laughs> I think that um, <laughs> round. Uh, uh, this is sees the tower wall of uh, screaming infinity. He races away. Dude, dude, let's scroll down to Mark. Help me on page eighty-three. take it away Greta take it away you guys wonder why I'm back well Mark help me (laughs) Mark says up and over Freddy is teasingly scooping his clawed finger into Greta's torso lovingly licking her red goop off the end of his claw love that she delicious or am I crazy try a bite (laughs) no (laughs) Uh, I wanted the bite! (laughs) Uh, Greta now tiny porcelain doll. He leaps off the scaffolding. On Mark's back, shaking with anger and rage, Freddy drops down in the foreground behind him, 
chortles smugly as he raises his claw for the kill. Suddenly, Mark whirls around, and as he does so, he is no longer Mark, but the Phantom Prowler, parentheses, in color. Payback time, you scar-faced limp dick. Nicely, <laughs> <laughs> Freddy raises two futuristic pistols, fires into Terry's chest. Black and white Freddy, eyes open in surprise. The Lots of confetti. Uh, the impact knocks Freddy to the ground. Phantom Prowler, gun smoking, advances on black and white Freddy, who lies unmoving in the foreground. Suddenly, whoosh! Black and white Freddy leaps to his feet, transformed into Super Freddy, a <laughs> rippling, muscled Freddy Krueger. Stands with his hands on his hips like a comic book hero. Faster than a bastard maniac. Not an accurate, appropriate, not an actual distance of measure. Uh, quickly raises his gut against. More power than uh, a local madman. It's me, Super Freddy. <laughs> it's me. Me. <laughs> And it was all of us. Uh, pull back to reveal the now paper Mark as Freddy continues to slash him to shreds. Color begins to drain out of Mark as and run onto the floor. Freddy continues to cut the paper. Moves through a series of shots of black and white Freddy cutting Mark to shreds. His mouth opens in soundless screams. Told you comic books were bad for you, kid. Uh, uh, color <laughs> green phantom prowler is now a growing pool of Mark's own blood. Alice happens. <laughs> Alice. Alice just happens. Alice? In the dream, she was standing in a room. It, it must be here in the asylum. You think that's the place where she's buried? If they actually bar- bar- if they actually bothered to bury her. Oh, wow, we time traveled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are you? Lifeless mm. body lies beneath all the scaffolding. Alice crushes her body. (laughs) No! And Padme is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Wake! I thought moment both she and Yvonne vanished from the corridor, yanked out as a dream. Yvonne's uh, Yvonne's eyes open and she comes awake with a start. She quickly glances around, realizes where she is, and hurriedly rises from the water. Police cars are parked out in front, their twirling lights uh, strobing the scene red and blue, and a small crowd of onlookers gathers to watch Mark in a body bag being wheeled into a waiting coroner's van. <laughs> Nothing in the room was up to code. It's a miracle you both weren't killed. Mm-hmm. No, he won't hurt me. He needs me alive. Who? <laughs> Your mother. Explain. <laughs> she probably needs some rest. The awkwardly invested cop turns away. Alice's father nods, leading her toward the street. A street, Alice. Purser's a curb. Alice sees her, shrugs free of her father's arm, and runs towards the street. Yvonne! <laughs> I know what Kruger's doing. Every time someone dies, he gets closer to finishing. What? Jacob, we've got to get up to Amanda before it's too late. But how are we gonna? We've got to go to the asylum and find her body. Mark said her soul's trapped with it. That's why she can't come to me. It must be. Alice! I've got to go. No! I won't have you running around in the middle of the night. You might get You're pregnant. coming home. But Dad, I can't get double pregnant. Double pregnancy. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be fair, she's only a little bit pregnant. <laughs> Tad pregnant. Yet the fetus is fully developed. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, nine months pregnant. Motherfucker got a name. Does her body have to wait Don't name them, then down. you can't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lobster. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Alice. If you name your baby, you can't eat it. So, therefore, never name your baby. <laughs> Should have told that to my first two kids. <laughs> These are delicious with butter and garlic. That's right. Very much so. Babies, the lobster, people. And hurry. Now, I want you to go upstairs and get some sleep. You're right. That's exactly what I need to do. It is. Alice kisses it on his cheek, head through the stairs. God, her dad has done a whole 180. At <laughs> uh, the asylum, pre-dawn, uh, steps in the foreground, headlights sweep over them, revealing that they are overgrown with weeds and cluttered with trash. This asylum was open like two years ago. <laughs> Obviously. I don't even know where we are at this point. <laughs> 89. 89. 89. 89. An asylum with gargoyles. Yeah, I agree. Oh, Asylum with gargoyles. It's Frank Lloyd Wright that came in on that asylum. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, okay. I Disney cartoon gargoyles surrounding <laughs> asylum. All right. Oh, boy. Uh, let's, let's start bringing this thing home. <laughs> singing gargoyles. It's face smashed <laughs> eroded by years of neglect and vandalism. Again. We just did the third movie. <laughs> Track left to see Yvonne's car at the bottom of the steps. Yvonne closes the truck, then steps toward camera, carrying a flashlight and some tools. On the asylum door, she's boarded up. Yvonne steps into shot, pausing before them. She looks up at everything high above her. Uh, the tower rises high into the first rays of dawn. The paling sky is reflected in the, the three windows at the top. Yvonne stares at it, realizing something. She turns back to the door, climbs through a gap in the boards. Yvonne walks into the shot toward camera, shining her flashlight around, moving cautiously until she passes camera, and we move into the asylum. The dream version of the corridor, Alice walks past camera into shot. She shouts for Freddy. Come out, Kruger! The game is over! I know what you're up to. I was too strong for you. So you picked on Jacob, you bastard! You're trying to tailor-make him so you can live through his dreams for the rest of his life. Well, I won't let you. You hear me, Kruger? If you won't talk to me, maybe you'd like to talk to Amanda. In case there are any other Amandas here. <laughs> the silent <laughs> corridor. Yvonne stands at the top of the stairs, facing the same brick wall at the real asylum. She has a pick and swings at the bricks. There's a loud thunk. Uh, in the asylum, tied on Alice at the top of the stairs. The thunk echoes clearly, uh, eerily, as she, as though from a long way off. Suddenly, we hear Freddy's cry of rage from off screen. Alice whips around. Come on, you fucking bastard! Freddy races around the corner. The corner. Alice is no longer there. Freddy slides to a halt as he recognizes the doorway that leads to the hundred maniacs. Their moans rise, growing louder as Freddy stands before the gaping doorway, transfixed by fear. He doesn't hear. Reverse angle, camera rushes toward Freddy's backside. We hear the sound of squeaking rusty wheels. Then a voice building to a high-pitched scream. 
Alice screams that she charges toward Freddy with a black, nasty Freddy stroller. She hits him from behind. Freddy screams as he's impaled on spikes from protruding from the front of the stroller. Ah! Alice charges with a stroller toward camera like a juggernaut from hell. Freddy struggles to free himself, arms and legs flailing wildly. The door to the maniacs swings open. Alice gives the stroller a mighty shove. The stroller flies through the open doorway, bounces against the rail at the top of the landing, over Alice's shoulder as Freddy flies down the stairs, separating from the stroller. Freddy tumbles toward camera, screaming. Freddy, at the bottom of the stairs, looks uh, around in horror as his fathers surround him and literally begin to tear him to pieces. Freddy screams. Alice gazes down in victory. Good night, asshole. On Freddy and the Maniacs, great band name, <laughs> Next time on Funny and the Many Arcs. As each limb hits the floor, it turns into a scuttled mass of green and red striped spiders. Alice closes her eyes, relieved, uh, but not really wanting to see this. As Freddy's off-screen screams recede, hold on Alice. Suddenly, one of the striped spiders drops onto Alice's coat from above. She screams and jumps back as others land begins scuttling up her sleeves. With a scream of revulsion, she tears off her jacket, stamping on it. Mommy, meet my friend. <laughs> Alice turns back down the court doorway to see uh, the asylum corridor now an estrus expressionistic landscape. A puzzled world made of bits of Freddy's boiler room, the asylum corridors, and the tower. The Elm Street House interior, the abandoned church. It's an insane, logic-defying world where Rada runs uphill and stairs and doors descend to, at impossible angles to one another. Across everything, Freddy's uh, boiler on a huge pendulum swings back and forth, counting cadence. It's just what I needed! Thank you! It's a whole new me, don't you think? You like it? Alice, dread rising inside her, leaves the asylum and steps into Escherland. The boiler pendulum swings across the camera. Yeah, killed a lot of people. Waving <laughs> Freddy. Close on Freddy and Jacob. He takes Jacob's hands, uh, laughs, savoring the irony. The kid's got my profile. Uh, real asylum corridor, Yvonne swings again with a pick, knocking another brick loose through the holes she's made. We can see the rotting boards of a door. Mommy? Come on downstairs. He won't hurt you. You're too drunk. He needs a phone. That's fine. I got you both. Which half would you like? <laughs> Come on, Jacob. Time to go home. The boiler pendulum arcs across flame. Uh, Freddie and Jacob low angle. Jacob looks up at him, hesitates, then runs down the stair towards camera. Freddie quickly turns around and charges up the stairs. Alice is a small figure near the door in the background. Jacob races toward her away from camera. Freddy, upside down, rushes across the top of the frame, trying to head Jason, Jacob off. Jacob! Jacob turns wider angle, back of Alice's head in the foreground, watching as Jacob turns and looks back at Dan. Close on Alice, her eyes open wide, the man she loves, the man she thought she'd never see again, is right before her. Was We see the confusion and longing in her face. Dan? It's all right, Jacob. Come to Daddy. Angle through the glass floor, looking up at Dan as he walks across the lens toward Jacob. 
His arms outstretched for the boy. Close on Jacob, hesitating on shore, Dan enters frame. His hand moves toward Jacob. Close on Alice as she fights back, confused, and realizes... He's not your father. Uh, tilting on Dan's outstretched hand, suddenly bone-like claws emerge from Dan's fingertips. Jacob turns and runs. Kids, always a disappointment. <laughs> Freddy Dan snarls in rage and chases after Jacob. Jacob runs for Alice, who picks uh, him up in her arms as he reaches her. As she sees Freddy approach, she turns and runs. Alice's POV, she puts Jacob down and turns to face Freddy, but he's nowhere to be seen. Alice whirls around looking for him. Jacob's brow furrows in thought. Where is he? He's inside you, where he hides. What do you mean? The gaping hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's where, he, it's where he hides out, inside. That's how he found me. But How? He says it's easy, especially with sad people, with closed-off people, <laughs> with drunk, horny oh, teenage yeah. people. This time, it's for keeps. Suddenly, Alice gets a new look of horror in her eyes as her face begins to distort. The back of Freddy's head begins to emerge through Alice's face. It keeps coming until his entire neck and head pull itself out and stare at her. Come on, Alice. Now we can really get to know each other. No, thank you. struggle struggle begins freddy shoots an arm out in front or behind her shoulder and tries to grab alice in a headlock he's tried to take over from the inside out freddy's legs push his way out her calf her other uh, arm snakes out from his torso he tries to choke her she screams in desperation and rage in the real asylum corridor uh, close on the inside of a door as Brick tumbles loosely and falls toward camera. Yvonne's face appears, peering into the gloom. In the asylum basement, Alice drops to her knees, falling through frame until her face fills the screen in an open-mouthed scream of anguish and pain. Get out! Get out! Uh, real asylum, Yvonne... <laughs> But furiously picks and pries away the bricks, trying to widen the hole she's made at the bottom of the door. She gets down on her hands and knees before the hole she's made in the bricks. She tries to push against the cracked and rotting boards of the door, but they won't give. In the asylum basement, Alice and Freddy are locked in combat. In the real asylum, Yvonne throws herself at the boards of the door. They split under the impact as she flies into the room. She gets to her knees and stares in awe at Sister Amanda, kneeling on the dust-covered floor, her back to Yvonne. Yvonne gets to her feet and cautiously approaches. On Amanda, from behind, as Yvonne warily steps into shot, her hand slowly reaching out toward the nun's back. As Yvonne is about to lay her hand on Amanda's shoulder, Yvonne and Amanda begin turning. Cut to wide shot of Amanda's open door. Everything explodes toward camera, including Yvonne. Bye. Alice's basement. Uh, and on the silent basement, on Jacob crying as he watches Alice, who is obviously losing the fight with Freddy. Amanda's voice close by suddenly cuts through the sound of the struggle. Jacob, Alice will not triumph. Jacob looks around, puzzled. Amanda's nowhere to be seen. Again... He hears her voice as if somehow standing behind him. Doing my fucking best. <laughs> Only you can help her now, Jacob, you drunken child. <laughs> There's a snarl of anger as if dismissing the thought. Jacob bounds up the bridge toward the struggling couple. 
Hey, Neva, she's no fun anymore. I want to go home now. <laughs> Freddy looks at Jacob. He sees a different boy now. A nasty, evil expression on his face. Close-up of Jacob, his face begins to change. Subtly at first, then not, as he becomes more like Freddy. Let's go. I want to learn stuff from you. Will you teach me? I cannot stress enough to the screeners that Freddy was not born like this. <laughs> Freddy at first looks suspicious. <laughs> then smiles as he extricates himself from Alice, who looks at Jacob in horror. Freddy gives her an obscene kiss and separates from her. Uh, she sinks to the ground, exhausted and beaten. Freddy approaches Jacob, who smiles evilly. Suddenly, Freddy stops. He snarls as he sees something behind Jacob. Jacob turns and sees Amanda far above, silhouetted in the doorway to the asylum. Now, Jacob, unleash the power he has given you. Fuck you, Kruger. <laughs> <laughs> as she speaks, his mouth grows larger and possibly large. A hole. A violet wide <laughs> wind appears to be rushing from his mouth canal. <laughs> the decrepit souls of Dan, Greta, Greta, and Mark rush from him and hurl themselves upon Freddy. The ectoplasmic trio strike Freddy full in the chest, ripping through him and emerging from his back. As they do, they pull him backwards towards Manda. On Jacob, as the last of the souls leave him, his face returned to normal as he falls out of frame, apparently dissolving as he does so. Uh, Freddy howling in anguish as he is dragged back. Ah! <laughs> so Freddy's face being dragged, Freddy's back bulges as the souls drag him along. Freddy's sleeves uh, as the hands begin to disappear inward. Come home, my son. All of us are waiting for you now. Suddenly, with a sickening wretch, uh, the Freddy fetus is ripped from his back. Mm. <laughs> Freddy's clothes fall to the floor in a heap. The Freddy fetus emerges from a steaming pile of ectoplasm, malevolently glaring at Amanda. Alice sees the new baby Jacob emerging from the pile of clothes on the floor. She rushes to him and picks him up, cradling him tenderly in her arms. Uh, Amanda seizes the Freddy fetus and holds it to her. I forgive you, my son. Should you? <laughs> the two mothers simultaneously emerge with their offspring. Amanda shudders in silent ag agony as she accepts her son back inside her. Oh. <laughs> 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 No, mm, that's, that's not how that works. <laughs> no, that's, that's not good. Not good. <laughs> you mean he's back? That's um, somebody's fetish on the internet. Rule thirty four. Rule thirty four. There's a Freddy five fetish uh, somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> finally, the souls of Dan, Mark, and Greta take their leave. Alice looks across at Amanda and starts toward her instinctively. Amanda now silhouetted again in the doorway to the room of the maniacs. Don't come near. Take your son and leave. Is she going back into the maniac room? Uh, suddenly she turns to leave. We think the fight is over, but suddenly, oh. grotesquely appearing from her back, Freddy's arm shoots out. Amanda gasps as she clutches the doorway. A look of determination crosses her face. The arm is sucked back inside. 
as this woman who never did anything to anybody and has been <laughs> so much shit now has to deal with us in purgatory forever. All of anguish, <laughs> sound of the maniacs rise into a crescendo. Series of doors starting with the one in front of Amanda slams shut. One after the other until the final door right in front of Alice slams closed, blocking her off forever from Amanda. We hear the echo of that final slam and then silence. Amanda stands there, staring at the last door. The sound of a crying infant comes up on the track. In the park, Colin's sunny, serene a picnic table rests uh, beneath the shade of a tree in the middle foreground. Beyond it, children romp and play. The infant's crying grows louder as a baby's arm moves into the extreme foreground and stops. Two female arms reach and lift in the crying... It lifted a crying cherubic infant, follows the arms up to Alice as she tenderly cradles Jacob. Aww. The abundant steps into shot, admiring the baby. You do good work, Alice. <laughs> so did Dan. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> he sure loves to stay awake. I shoot straight. <laughs> That's okay. He's got the rest of his life to catch up on his sleep. What? Said no mother of a newborn ever. Ever. Sweet <laughs> <laughs> dreams, Jacob Daniel. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Slowly dolly back in slow motion. As a jump slowly dolly back in slow motion. Double slow motion. As a jump rope held by someone off screen arcs over the top of a camera. Moving down through the frame was a whoosh. Much like the whoosh, whoosh that shot into the fetus. Very white and soft focused uh, bob into frame as the rope comes down over the lens one final time and we fade out. Yay. Matt, good work. Thank you. That was a lot of